Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, for our new listeners and those who have already been with us, we appreciate all the five-star reviews that we've been getting. And if you've, uh, for the new guys, you can also go on www.whitelabelamerican.com and give us five-star reviews. We depend on that. We, you know, it's our lifeline for discovery. At the same time, for new people and for the uh, recurring, um, for our returning listeners, you can also join us on Patreon for as low as $3. And if you want to give way more than that, you know, there's opportunities to do that. Like, you know, you can be a Jeff Bezos and we'll take all that too and give, you know, I'm black and bald. That's how we say. So yeah, you know, he loves giving his black bald friends a hundred million. So I, I won't say no to that if you do that. But, um, you can also go on vetclothing.com and get our merch there. We have T-shirts, stickers, and a whole bunch of other things, caps and everything. We'll be adding more stuff. So, yeah, we appreciate the support. Keep it coming in. And if you use an Android, don't forget, you can download the White Label American app from Google Play Store. So it's free. If anyone out there is telling you to pay money for the app, let me know and uh, we'll take care of that. All righty. With all that being said, let's meet one of the people I've been trying to get on the podcast for more than a minute, and I've known her for a while. And she's uh, in the media space, so this should be interesting because this would be, if I don't do good today, she'll probably give me, she'll let me know if I did bad. But I'm honored to have someone whose career is in media, and her interests also includes a form of media, you know, that we'll dive into, uh, parachute jumper, skydiver, scuba diver, all that's included in the package. But overall, she is a professional producer and editor with TV credits for documentary, film, and travel TV. Has been featured on PBS, Travel Channel, and Discovery, as well as East African Radio. I'm honored to have Preet Panu join us in the studio today. How are you doing, Preet? Hey, Raphael. Nice to see you. And uh, it's nice that we're finally doing this. We have been talking about it for a long time, I think. A couple, oh, yes. couple of years now, we had a pandemic in between <laughs> um, that threw things, you know, for a loop. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is real. It's happening. And I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So let's uh, begin. Let's go to the very beginning. What is the meaning of your names? And is there any story about how you came to have those names? Oh, so I was I was interested that you'd ask that question because most people don't. And that was that was interesting to me. It, it was revealing of you that you realize names are important. Yeah. And in many cultures, names have a meaning, right? They're not mm -hmm. just slapped on you. Oh, yeah. And there's usually a trajectory to how you got there. So my full name is Munpreet. Um but everybody started calling me Preet, and Preet just stuck. And it made sense because Preet means love. Ooh. And Munpreet is a little more heavy and hippie than that. You know, my parents, they were like pretty much hippies. 
They were big in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> Dad used to wear the flared jeans, you know, hey. that kind of thing. So jeans always rule. Exactly. And Manpreet means one who gives love from the soul. So that was a bit heavy. And it's kind of a heavy mm. thing to hold on to. But it's also something I would only be referred to when my parents were angry with me. They'd be like, Manpreet, you know, they'd come here. Or yeah. when I hear that name, I'm oh. like, okay, it's going to go down. <laughs> <laughs> and so it became Preet. And that's kind of, you know, what I wear now. And Preet means love. Um, it comes from uh, Sanskrit and Punjabi background. You know, my dad is Punjabi. Okay. And then my dad's name is Pritam. My mom's name is Mamie. So they wanted an amalgamation, a combo of both of their names, you know, for their first kid. Oh. Um, I'm a firstborn, so. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. that's the basic story. Wow, it's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, I wasn't aware. Is your mom also from uh, Punjabi? She is um, Muslim from India originally, but she's fourth generation born in Kenya. So I'm fifth generation born in Kenya. Okay. Um, so she doesn't really have a connection back to India. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, my dad came over to India when he was a young kid. Oh. Ah, yeah. Okay. Cool. cool. Sorry, to Kenya. Oh, to Kenya. My yes. dad came over to Kenya when he was a young guy. That's right. Oh. That's beautiful. So um, I was... I was. I'm, I don't think. I think this is the first time I've met someone with Indian roots, whose um, name is a combination of the mom and dad's names. I'm. I'm. I'm used to that on the Latino side. It seems to be common amongst some South American cultures. Yeah. Uh, families. I'll say families. Yeah. That to meet people who have. Uh, combination of both parents' names, and that's how I'm, I've still met one of. The, I think that's how. I'm, uh, yeah, she she had the longest name. Someone who was in the navy with me. Yeah, I used to always wonder, like, how the hell? So one day I just had to go ask her, like, what kind of name is this? <laughs> what, what what is going on with your name here? And she said, oh, it's two names. I said, oh, because you know they write our last names on the uniforms. So she had, but the parents didn't shut in the last name, so it was right. like something Gonzalez. And yeah, I was like, that is. <laughs> really long. Yeah, those two long names. So that was the first time I became aware of. Um, That's cute. I think I think it names. comes. It stems from like culture, but it's mm -hmm. also from like people, parents, especially who are like, "This is my person. I'm going to put my stamp on them somehow." You know, I brought a human being into the world, and I think it happens. Was she a first first child? I feel like it uh, might be I something can, that I happens with that, first that children. You know. Yeah. I can't so recall. I wonder if that's it, or or even in American tradition, it's like juniors. You know, the whole junior mm. concept. Like mm -hmm. my my husband's a Lee Junior. His dad's name is Lee. So I think it comes from that, and the parents wanting to have their little like stamp of approval on that kid, and it's yeah. sort of the first one is kind of hit with that. I can see that. <laughs> the other two are like, okay, yeah, we'll see where you end up. <laughs> 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 Sorry, brothers. Uh, I have two brothers. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's you, you understand this with love, you know. Exactly. So you already uh, mentioned uh, part of you already given you have already given part of the answer to the next question. But um, still, for the audience, uh, can you introduce us to your place of birth and what childhood was like for you? Um, I was born in Nairobi, specifically in industrial area, which is a specific um, zone, an industrial zone where a lot of factories and things are, mm. which was next to my dad's workshop. Um, but the hospital there was very well known. So I was born there in Nairobi. And um, what was the other part of the question? What was <laughs> your childhood like? What was my childhood like? Okay. There's a lot to unpack there, mm -hmm. um, but it's all good. I mean, growing up in East Africa, you know, East Africa was and is a melting pot. 
So we were lucky that we got exposed to all kinds of cultures. My parents being East African Indians, we had the whole Indian culture, you know, that we were able to um, engage with and tap into and have all the celebrations of like Diwali. Um, my mom's side of the family, they do Eid. So we used to mark all those holidays and things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, go to big Indian weddings and things like that, which is awesome. And then, of course, have the Indian food at home. But then at the same time, we're in British East Africa, ex-British East Africa. Mm -hmm. So there's this undertone of British culture. I mean, you hear it in my accent maybe a little bit. It's been diluted over the years, you know, 20 years in America now. Yeah. Um, but there's hints of it there. And, of course, like fish and chips was a thing we'd eat on Fridays. You know, that kind of yeah. weird stuff that would come up in a, in a Kenyan home. Tea is like central to our yeah, culture, tea, but tea, I, tea I feel like the way we have tea is very Indian and very, you know, we have our East African version of it. It's not as British. We don't do that sort of brackish water, you know, very oh, diluted so you tea bag tea business. Bag, yeah. It's all loose leaf brewed to heck tea, you know, ah. <laughs> very See, strong. That, that, that's what I never knew about growing up, that there was tea, like tea available in that option. It was all tea bag. And right, yeah. for a lot of... Nigerians around my age and above, I think there was a moment in time where when you said tea, the only thing that came to our brain was Lipton. So that's mm -hmm. what we yeah. all said. So if you yeah. went to go buy, because you could buy one tea bag or two tea bags, depending on how much you had, you could buy a couple of tea bags. You went up there, you just said, give me Lipton. Right. And looking back now, I realized that there were times when I got other stuff that wasn't Lipton but Lipton had become the brand associated with tea. Right. So everybody so, said Lipton instead of tea yeah, itself. Yeah, so it's just right. that I saying Lipton. Uh -huh. And it was until my elder sister came back from South Africa. She had been there for, I think, three years, about two, three years with my nieces and nephew. And she was like, you want to drink iced tea? I said, why would, why would, why would, it normally, why would a human being drink ice with tea with ice? <laughs> what, what is that? And she br brought a bottle of that said iced tea. I said, what? They put tea in a bottle? What is going on here? And then she was like, oh, with, with Nigeria, there's more, there's more bags. There are other companies that make tea. And all this. my head was just exploding as a 17-year-old then. I was like, what is this? And then when I arrived in ba uh, Bahrain, and my, my friend was like, let's go. He wants to get some tea. So I was like, where are we going? So we're going to the tea shop. So I was like, oh, the shop just made of tea bags? That's all I was expecting. And I walked in there and I was like, this is not tea bags. This looks like spices. What is going on? Where's the tea? And I was like, that's the tea. Right. And I was like, wow, all this scents hitting me. All I was like, wow, this is, wait. So, yeah, he's like, yeah, what tea do you want? You have, I was like, yes, tea. There's like, a whole, <laughs> there's world, there's world, a whole of world of tea out there. And what's funny <laughs> for us in, in Kenya is people say, oh, coffee is stronger than tea. And we're like, no, it's not. It's kind of the same because the amount of caffeine, the way we brew it, it's mm -hmm. it's a strong cup of tea. And of course, you know, we talked about culture. Kenya adds its own twist and its own cultural um, stamp, I guess, on things like tea. So we have it with ginger and spices. It's got a masala. Like, like there's a special tea oh. masala, which is a blend of spices that we drink our tea with. Oh, I, I, need, and, I need to try that. And it's clove and cardamom, ginger. It's it's so good. Once you have it, you're like, okay, I'm never going back to yeah, tea. Yeah, because I, I, lo I love ginger. So you're like, Lipton's, Lipton's oh, out. Oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I can't even recall the last time I was I saw Lipton. I think it's only when I go to a, uh, a Nigerian store. That I, I might see Lipton, I'm like, ah, look at that brand. I just laugh. Yes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's just for laughing. 
I'm like, yeah, I'm not here to buy it. Nope. I've seen, I've, I've been exposed to better options. I'm gone. Like, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not coming back to that. Well, another beauty of growing up in Kenya was, of course, you know, we're in the middle of like this wonderful paradise. You know, we have the beaches mm -hmm. and we had safari, which is incredible. So we got to do all of that. My parents were adventurous and it was it was reasonable. It wasn't very expensive. Now you go on safari, you have to save a little fortune before you can go and drop some cash oh, down, wow. you know. But back then, you just jump in a four-wheel drive or any car even. People didn't care. Mm -hmm. We're not wearing seatbelts, you know. Oh, yeah. This was the 80s I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just cruising down the, oh. down the road as much as you can cruise, as much as the road allows you. Mm -hmm. And once you hit a pothole or a oh, bumpy you know. space, you're slowing down. You know. And you'd go on safari and you'd go to the national park and stay a few nights either camping. There's also um, a slightly higher-end version of that is a tented camps where you have, you know, yeah. solid beds and everything and a bathroom. And then you can go up an even bigger notch than that and you can stay at the lodges. And so we used to do a lot of that. And um, so my biggest memories are definitely going on safari with the family and then driving to the coast. Hmm. And driving to the coast is like a pilgrimage in some ways. If you've driven from Nairobi to Mombasa and you've survived that trip, you're kind of all shaking hands with each other at the end. There, there are these certain spots that you, you would stop at for different kinds of, you know, things. Mm. The first stop is a temple. And everybody would go to this Sikh temple. My dad is Sikh. But okay. any culture, it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. There was this unwritten sort of um, rule that you would stop at Makindu temple. Because that's what's going to start your journey off safely. Oh. And people would stop there and they'd be like, okay, we're going to survive this now. We're good. Let's keep going. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then you keep driving down that road, which is literally like kamikaze style to the coast and my dad um i remember he has a sort of shoulder length hair he used to wear a turban you know in society and stuff mm -hmm. sorry in society and stuff when he's out with friends and things but when he's chilling and he's with family his shoulder length hair would be out and free and he'd, he's wearing his flare jeans and he's driving with one hand on the steering wheel you know like they do <laughs> <laughs> one hand on the gearbox yeah and in the back my mom would always um crank the tunes and in the back we're listening to uh, ABBA or, oh. Bo or Bonnie M the mm -hmm. entire Bonnie album M. from beginning yep. to end you know and Bonnie we're just cruising M. down to the coast that, 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 was, that, that was that was pretty huge. cool so that's sort of the background if you want to talk about like the soundtrack of my life like you know I'm in media mm -hmm. the soundtrack of my childhood is definitely Bonnie M and ABBA <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad soundtrack to have though. but yeah I remember lots of Bonnie M songs uh yeah, around me, and every once in a while, it just pops up in my brain, and I might start singing one of them. Oh, I still remember this song. Yeah, oh, I thought I thought it was out, but I think for me personally, Bonnie M was more popular than ABBA. That's right. And, yeah, um, but ABBA still had a couple of hits that I was aware of, and you know, I was the youngest in the house, so my uncles and aunts, you know, anytime they showed up and they took over and played their vinyl and. That's when you realize, oh, we had all these records in the house. Look at all this music. Wow. I thought we were only like some strict religious Christian family, but hey, they start boogieing. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they had some moves too. Oh, yeah. They, 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 now they act like they don't. I'm like, mm hmm. I still remember though. I remember just because I was a kid then, it doesn't mean I forgot everything. I, I saw you on the dance floor. There are kids now, the ones who were like, wait. You mean my, my dad dances? I was like, uh, <laughs> there's more than that. But uh, go ask them. Go ask them. I won't, you know, I'm not the one who's going to give the whole family secrets today. It, I think it keeps them young if they keep dancing, you know? <laughs> yeah. My, my mom, she's, uh, 
yeah, she she's had both knees. Um, her knee is replaced on yeah on both knees, and so she uses a walker back in Nigeria now. And uh, yeah, still they still call the life of the party. Even before she left America, she was every Nigerian Ghanaian party in the in the DMV. Uh, yeah, she was there struggling, doing a moving her hips still. I'm like that uh, generation of women. Yeah, I'm telling yeah, you, they, they never stop. They don't make them like that anymore. They're they very special. Just... Like my mom just had her knee surgery, but we were there in December mm -hmm. in Kenya, and she was in bad shape. Like they, they couldn't even come to the airport terminal to like greet us as as I walked out of JKIA. And my boys and I were looking around. We're like, where's Ma and Papa? You know, where's Mom and Dad? And so I call them. I'm like, it's okay. Maybe they're stuck in traffic, which is a typical Nairobi story. If anyone's talking about Nairobi, yeah. the conversation is going to go to traffic at some point because that's <laughs> that's just a part. It's part and parcel of life there. But anyway, I call them. They're like, no, no, no. You got to come all the way out because we're standing in the parking area. Okay. I was like, this is new because usually they're waving right there in front. So we're like, okay, we go through the parking. Mom and dad are kind of usher us over and I realized it's because they couldn't walk up to us because of mm. you know my dad's back is bad yeah. and my mom's knee was bad but that didn't stop them they like booked us and we went to the beach and they they had all these like you know dinners that they hosted and friends home and everything so they're very special they're special for me I'm like on a on a Friday night I'm like I don't want to do anything it's been a long week I don't want to see anybody <laughs> <laughs> and my parents have never heard of such you know uh, yeah I, I do have some of that I'm, there was always someone new at the table eating a meal with yep. us I'm sure your your house was like that too yeah um, well up, up, up to my mom used to throw lots of parties I think it was after her 50th birthday that she started toning it down but um, in America yeah she still she was like even if she's like, oh, I'm not going to any party, people will show up. Like, they, they'll call her, Mama, you have to come, you have to come. You know, I'm having this child dedication. I'm having uh, whatever, you know, we'll look for it. We always have a reason to party. So, yeah, yeah, yeah we need you there. I'm like, how's she going to get there? So she ends up driving. And I was like, that's, that's why the knee got bad. Because that's how she, you know, she wasn't supposed to be driving. It was like, nine. She, she I have to go pick up my friends. So she go pick up her crew. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> they all head out there, and I'm like, oh man. Oh, bless her. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, from what you've shared, uh, I think the answer. I think I'm guessing that the ans this answer will be amongst what you've already shared. What do you consider your favorite childhood memory to be? That's a tough one. Mm -hmm. um, favorite childhood memory. Hmm. Let me think about it for one second, and then I'll get to it. <laughs> well, at this moment. At this moment, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question because it does change when on the day, right? Yes, Whichever does. day you're thinking about it. Um, some of my favorite childhood moments are honestly on the tree at my parents' house. So we had this huge tree that we could climb up, and it had a massive trunk, so we could go into the middle of the trunk where the branches reached out, okay. and there was space there. My brothers would just brothers and I would just knock off our shoes. I have two brothers, and we'd climb in that tree, and we'd just hang out there sipping Fanta. Hey, and that Fanta. that taste of Fanta, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it just takes me back when I drink that Fanta. But I ha it has to be Fanta in Kenya. Like you drink Fanta here, it's got that high fructose, blah, blah, yeah, blah. But it's not so in the glass it, bottle. Too. It's in the glass bottle and it's real sugar. So it yeah. tastes different. I think some some Mexican places have, I don't, I've never seen a Fanta though. And, but they have, I've seen a Coke and a Sprite. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, some Mexican places have it. You, you can get that same sort of taste. But that Fanta was like so good. 
And we got different flavors of Fanta. So we oh, had true. Fanta grape. Yep. There was that, one that, called, that was huge for What was the other one? Fanta huge. cream. Um, there was lemon. Yep. Lemon. Fanta. I and then, of course, Fanta. the orange was the standard. Yeah, yeah orange was yeah. the go-to. That was, uh, for, that was another thing that um, it just the name Fanta, that replaced orange soda. So you, you grow up, you don't even know that orange is supposed to be an orange soda. And you... When someone says, oh, soda, you, you're drinking soda. Like, who's drinking soda? I'm drinking yeah. Fanta. Like, yeah, but it's a soda. No, I'm drinking Fanta. <laughs> 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 like, okay, but Coke is a soda. No, that's Coke. <laughs> Drink Coke. Nobody drinks soda in this house. Like, okay. Soda was soda water, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was soda water. Which, had, that, which, which has help. no taste to it. <laughs> that didn't help. That was supposed to be for smokers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so having that... Exist that didn't help, and you're like, oh no, we're insisting. And then when you when you, you the moment when you get a little maturity, you're like, wait, you mean that that's a soda? So I've been, oh, I, I was I was wrong to be yelling at people back then. Like, you don't know anything. You're a bush person. Oh my god, no, that's uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's our go-to insult back then. They just call you someone from the bush. And, you don't know anything. You're not civilized. Yeah, there's, we have a similar word for that. We used to, we call people mashambas, which means you're from the farm. Oh, mashambas. Yeah, you're mashamba. Shamba means farm in Swahili. Okay. So if people are like behaving like they're not, you know, all there in their heads, we're like, ah, don't be such a mashamba. Ah, <laughs> I have some Kenyans to use that on. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and and uh, well, we also call you village people too. Someone from the village. Like, look at you from the village. You don't. You don't. Right. You're not used to good things. Right. Like, right. From the village is shags now. Shags. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds uh, like shags. a British slang. Kind of a little yeah. bit. Yeah. 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 So, ah, well, that, that took me back too. So, what, what do you know? What type of tree it was? Um, mom said it was a pepper tree. So I guess that's Ooh. what it was. Not there anymore. The trunk is still there, but oh. most of the tree had to go. You yeah. know, the branches were starting to fall in the house when it would rain heavy, things like that. Okay. So yeah, honestly, honestly. it was an old tree, but yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was one of my favorite memories. And honestly, I don't drink soda here in the U.S. It's just not the same thing. So yeah, I, 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 I go back to Kenya and the first thing I do is order my soda. <laughs> and now now it's changed a bit. It's it's called Stony Tango Easy or Stony. Oh. And it's a it's basically a ginger soda or a ginger beer. Okay. But it's good. Wow. There's nothing like that one. Okay. <laughs> so can you still climb a tree? Can I still climb it? That's a good question. I tried with my um, then seven-year-old a few years back <laughs> no i was not as strong as him i don't have the upper body strength as much anymore if there are good like footholds i'm yeah. okay if i can get my feet mm-hmm. doing most of the work for me i'm fine but if it's like hang and pull your body up and stuff that yeah. kind of business <laughs> no <nah>, man <laughs> nope <laughs> uh, i can't uh, yeah i can't even recall the last time i had to climb a tree and uh yeah that was the yeah, was before I left Nigeria, I, I realized that, yeah, I can't, I can't climb trees like I once used to. Like, uh, yeah, you know, then you, you didn't think twice. You'd be like, oh, look, that was that mango tree. Look, this mango tree on the street side, well, who, nobody's the owner. And the mango is ripe. I can go up there and get it. So you climb. If you, if you can't get to it, then you, get a, you try and figure out how to carry a long branch or stick with you and then use that to pluck you know, when you get up there as far as you don't run into any snakes. Have you seen those guys um, climb the coconut trees? Oh yeah, that's a serious. I don't skill. like watching their videos. I'll be, it, it turned me into a hater. I'm like, oh man, I, I I could do that when I was, you know. I'm like, never mind. That's a serious yeah, that, skill. Yeah, I I, 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 <laughs> I knew someone who 
I was 21, 22, and we were living together in the same compound. And we had, a, uh, we did not pay our electric bill. And the main person who we were staying with then, he owned a baba shop. So he made electricity because he did not have, he was like, he's not going to be buying um, fuel for his gener generator, which is supposed to be for emergencies. So since they had cut our, the way they disconnect you from, from, from if you haven't paid your electricity bills, they literally go up there and cut, clip the wire, you know, and take the cable with them, like cut a little bit and take it with them, the electric company. So after they had left, when it was nighttime, this dude just went on the, electric pole like he looked like a monkey wow 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 just the hands and feet i was like what and then he connected the cable i was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. well let's see this on tv like wow you can do that you're like spider-man <laughs> and then he was like oh they do that all the time in ajegule in lagos so if you ever you have uh, ajegule area in lagos they, yeah. they have lots of people who can just they can climb anything. They just go like, it's, it's easy for them. Amazing. Yeah, for the rest of us, like we, we stopped at certain age. Like, yeah, we're too big. As soon them. as we started sitting in chairs and at desks, I mm -hmm. think that that started to happen to us. I think, <laughs> I think it was, before I finished secondary school, it was, it was over. Right. I could send the juniors, you go climb a tree and get me that. <laughs> and by then you were big enough where they were all like, okay, okay, yes, for real. no problem. Anything you want. How many how many mangoes you want? Three, four? <laughs> uh, yeah, with a little bit of popularity too. So yeah. that helps. If you are too, if, even if you were big but you weren't that cool or popular, then they'll be like, mm, I'm not listening to you. I can take my chances. So how would you eat the mangoes? Oh, uh, my favorite is the one we call sucking mangoes. Mm -hmm. They never turned yellow. They were always green. Green, yeah. But if there was a storm, the, the ripe ones will, will drop or if you tapped it, you didn't have you did not have to hit it hard just tap it a little bit if it was ripe it would just fall yeah um yeah and those you literally could suck the seed so you, out you, you take you a little them. bite exactly and, and you turn it into juice, juice right and i know exactly the, what you're talking about come, like, you almost swallow that oh, big man. thing and like yeah those, those are the best mangoes i've had in my life but we, we used to have lots of uh we, we have different types of mangoes. there's so like, many different red, types right yellow and yeah it was i, th I think it was the more uh, I started approaching adulthood, and like especially after my elder sister came back from South Africa, she was the one that started making me look bougie because she's like, "Oh, we slice, she's slicing the mango. I'm like, what was this? Huh? Take a knife and peel the mango. It's like that's too much work. Just <laughs> bite into it, wash it, and bite into it. That's all. <laughs> Why am I going to be peeling, peeling off the skin? You, you spit it out. We used to do. We used to eat it with the skin. We used mm -hmm. to get these green mangoes, but they weren't completely ripe. They were still kind of sour. Oh, I know those. And they'd cut them open so it looks... That, it's easier to cut those. They'd yeah. cut them open so it looks like, you know, these segments, like a flower almost. And mm. then they'd sprinkle salt and chili on top. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we'd guys, eat it like that go... with the skin and everything. It yeah, was you, so yeah, good. You guys take it to another level. Like, whoo, I never knew there was options of adding salt <laughs> Yeah, mangoes. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. I love mangoes still. It's, it's, yeah, I think... Yeah, it might be my unofficial favorite fruit. Yeah, me unofficial. too. Yeah. Mangoes are awesome. Yeah. But we have them with everything, like in Kenya. We can have them, you know, you can have them sweet. You can have them with like what's called kachumbari. So you have them with like garlic and onions and salt and chili and stuff like that. So you can throw it like a like a salsa kind of thing oh. and make it like that. Um, you can have it as a dessert. You can have it, you know, any way you like. You you think it's the the mix of cultures that make 
eating stuff like mangoes go with like you know all yeah stuff definitely that's that's Indian influence I would okay. say yeah that that is definitely yeah, like an Indian influence because we we don't we don't have um, a large Indian um, influence like in uh, like Kenya in comparison to Kenya yeah and so it's like yeah we, most stuff like that we just eat it plain and then somebody will, you know, someone said oh you mix your Man, go with garlic. We'll be looking at that person like, oh, this person must be some rich person. Yeah. Some fancy. Must be... Did you attend Oxford or Cambridge? <laughs> kind of thing. Like, no, the person just knows. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> ah. So, with the um, still staying in Kenya, uh-huh. when did you begin to show interest in in, in becoming a media professional how did that uh, begin with you um so that's that's an interesting story so I went you know like you do you have the trajectory you you graduate high school and you go to college you know and that's mm-hmm. the plan and the plan was always within our community and culture was to go to the UK and um, my dad's brothers were there and so they he'd saved up some money and I got into university in the UK and I studied business there so I came back thinking, okay, I'm going to work in a bank. You know, I got this hot shot business degree and I'm going to go ahead and work at a bank. Um, and my dad helped me get my first job at a bank. It was Trust Bank, it was called then, which was hilarious because there's also a condom brand in Kenya called Trust Condoms. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you can understand when I start Ooh. telling my friends that I'm working for Trust Bank, they oh. never let me oh. live it down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, this bank thing, I don't know how long it's going to last for many reasons. But one of them was my first day in the bank. I never saw a computer. I went in and I was like, okay, where's my desk and computer? And, you know, where am I going to get set up? No, we're all sat at this long desk and a ledger was put in front of me. Ah, And I was told, okay, go ahead and start reconciling Mm -hmm. accounts. I was like, whoa. This is this is serious. Oof. This is literally heavy. Like <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna make it here. And then um, I used to read the newspaper. You know, just a, a habit. Every morning at the bank, we'd all get the newspaper and and share it around. Or a couple of people would buy a copy, and we'd all sort of end up reading it at some point. And this ad showed up in the newspaper one day for a radio station that was opening up, and they were looking for people to come and audition on Sunday morning. And so I went ahead and I got the gig and uh, I started working at a radio station and doing the breakfast show. And I left that banking finance world way, way behind. And that's what put me on my media trip, basically. Wow. So being here and doing a podcast with you is like full circle. Yeah. It's very special. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. um, Yeah, I I, I wouldn't have... No, no, that's uh, yeah. That, that that's not something. I'm kind of mind blown. I'm like, wow, I wasn't expecting the origin to be that way. So, wow. So of course, my parents were like, "You're going to do what now? Instead of being at this bank, bank. you know, like that was yeah. hard for them because mm-hmm. they wanted me to have a professional career, and it's like doctor, lawyer, yes. you know, those are like the standards, mm-hmm. banker, that kind of thing. So. Um, that was tough for them in the beginning. But once I started getting a little bit of famous, you know, people started having a following. They were like, okay, yeah, this this works. And you're doing a good job. So it seems like it's your passion. So they understood that and they supported me, which I'm very grateful for. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you said it was a breakfast show that you were hosting? Yeah, that was rough. Well, oh. what, what was that like? <laughs> you had to wake up very early in the morning. <laughs> I was not a morning person. Um, so I would wake up at four 
and I would really push it to the limit. So I'm like every single second counted. So 4.15, let's tell the truth, is when I was waking up at 4.15. I've done all my business the night before, you know, showering, bathing, my clothes already laid out and everything. All I did was brush my teeth, yeah. grab a banana, change my clothes and jump in the car. And at that time, talk about traffic in Nairobi. That time is a different Nairobi that people are not used to. There's no traffic on the roads. I was about to ask. This, this was a normal, like, I say, 35-minute commute from where I lived mm -hmm. to the radio station. That time in the morning, I could cruise and be there in 15 minutes flat. Mm. So I was at the station by 4.45. And at that point is when I started doing my research and everything. And this was a new radio station, so we didn't have people in place to, like, man the show, oh, do, okay. you know, write the news reports. I was doing everything from news to traffic, <laughs> which was really funny. Because it's basically on traffic in Nairobi, you're saying this road is busy, yeah. that other road is busy, and the other road is busy too. <laughs> so you would try and find ways to say busy in different uh. words, basically. I, I mastered the art of saying busy using different words. We're like, chock-a-block, jam-packed. <laughs> uh. yeah, you're, you're taking me back to... Because um, I, I listen to a lot of radio back in Nigeria. So hearing traffic reports, I'm like, what? What are they talking about? Traffic <laughs> reports. Like <laughs> We had a guy on a picky picky, which is a motorbike, yeah. um, who would drive around town and he was on radio and he would call in and give us the report of like what this what this area in town is like, what this street is like. When the traffic reports got interesting is when there were like protests oh. in, in Nairobi. So that's when we'd start telling people, okay, avoid university way because the, you know, university kids are protesting right now and it looks like it's going to turn into a riot which is pretty much the tra trajectory of protests mm -hmm. in kenya you know you go from protest to riots it's kind of how it went yeah we had, we had uh, similar to that in many cities in nigeria yeah where it starts with a protest and then ends up being a riot right yeah. exactly yeah so. because other people other elements come and yeah. get involved you yeah, know, who yeah, not necessarily so there for some, the same sometimes cause. Sometimes also state sponsor too, the other element. That's right. Because I know in Nigeria. State sponsored violence, I, I, I absolutely. Saw when they, 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 um, there was that magazine, I think the magazine is unfortunately no longer in publication, but there used to be one of those that even when Abacha, um, our last major tyrant, was alive, he, he really dealt with them like. I think their editor, a couple of people worked there, barely survived with their lives. So every time I had an opportunity to read their stuff, I, I, I always took it seriously. And there was one time they detailed how um, a protest by students, I think it was under Babangida's regime, just early 90s. Well, that was one of the largest protests. And everybody showed up and it's like they're marching for a couple of miles and all of a sudden so a bunch of guys just pop out from nowhere and like hey we want to join this protest but you got anything for us and they're like we are protesting for your rights wow it's okay yeah we care but uh, we get that but do you have anything for us yeah you know he said why would do we have it we're not the ones you should be asking that question they said okay and they said the account that I was reading said the guys left and then they spoke to soldiers who were around. And after that, those guys just seemed, after they had a conversation with a bunch of soldiers, it just seemed like they turned, then started destroying stuff. Yeah. And that's how it turned into a riot. Right. And those who were who, who did not witness all that, who 
didn't you know look into the details. We just say, oh, these people, you, know, you start protesting and then you turn into, why are you burning places? Why are you this? And I'm exactly. Like, that, the burning use. is where you know yeah. that this is something else. Mm-hmm. You know? They start burning like tires is something you see. A lot oh, of. yeah. They, yeah. They, they lay them like in a, on a, on a tower in the mm-hmm. middle of the road and they block the road that way and then they set the tires on oh, fire. fire. Yeah. That's something you'll see. They'll burn cars, things like that. And that's usually when you know, okay, this is a red flag and this is probably like state-sponsored, like you said. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff we see happening around election time. You know, yeah. Kind of, luckily, the last elections were pretty, pretty yeah. peaceful. That's weird. Pretty, I pretty followed peaceful. that a lot. Yeah, yeah that was one, I think that was one of the most peaceful handovers of power we've seen in a long time in Kenya. So, kudos. I mean, not everybody's happy, but of course. everyone now gets it. Like, this is democracy. You're not all going to be freaking happy, okay? That's, that's right. But you can all be alive. <laughs> you can participate without, you know, and you can, having and, to and lose you can your live life. And you to see the next day. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I hope my Nigerians will get this before, because we have our uh, presidential election coming up in, by the end of February. Yes. So. Yeah, it's uh we're watching. We're watching. We've seen some weird signs already, but hopefully to be like Kenyans, because a lot of Nigerians were really impressed by um after watching the Kenyan press. They, a lot of Nigerians followed the Kenyan election, and they were like, "Oh yeah. wow, this this an African country did this." Wow, okay, because they don't count South Africa as African you for obvious reasons. Right, you know? exactly. We're not saying they're not Africans, but you know, when it comes to like handling elections, it's, it has to be in places like Kenya. Because their democracy is still new. Right, exactly. And, and it's done in a similar way. Yeah, so Nigerians are watching. and The uh, campaigns are similar. The one they yeah. saw, oh yeah, and the current president, Ruto, he's, uh, he's considered Nigerian too because I yeah. think his daughter married in Nigeria. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he's on, honorary Nigerian, right? Uh, I heard him, I heard him, uh, apparently he's, he's cool with some of the mega pastors too in Nigeria. Because so, mm-hmm. I heard him talking pre-election and, I was like, this guy sounds a lot like a Nigerian right now. But it was, <laughs> it was very funny. So some Nigerian comedians actually made a skit out of that. Like, oh, this guy. We have a Nigerian president in Kenya. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it sounds like something Trevor Noah would do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I miss Trevor. <laughs> I know. On the Daily Show, right? Yeah. Well, we're going to have to go to his stand-up, you know? Oh, yes. Yes. It's, it's happening, but it's not until... I I, saw, I looked at the tickets the other day because my, my um, son's birthday is coming up. He's going to be 15 and he likes Trevor Noah. So I was like, let's go see him. Why don't I buy you tickets for um, your birthday? And he's like, okay, when is it? I'm like, it's in October. He's like, but my birthday's in February. Hey. Why are you buying me a birthday present that's going to be in October? I'm like, okay, all right, fine. I was I'm like, but we have to buy tickets soon because they'll sell out. You know, it's Trevor <laughs> yeah. Noah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you had been to the UK for um, university. Well, where, where in the UK did you... I went to the University of Sheffield. Um, oh, Sheffield, that not south? So it's Yorkshire, it's kind of oh, Midlands, yeah. middle of okay. the UK. Um, but I had family in the northeast in um, Newcastle. So I was very fortunate, like I could go back there, sort of home to my uncle and aunt's place um, and spend the holidays with them, which was nice. So before you went to university in, in the UK, had you been there before? To the UK? Yes, but not... Not since I was pretty young. So the last time I went there, I was trying to remember. I was maybe 11 or 12, and I hadn't been back since then. Okay. So now you, you, you're in the UK for university. Yeah. It's a whole new time for you, whole new experience. Yes, you had to become a professional drinker. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
It's the no, UK. I wasn't going there, but and, <laughs> and you have this ridiculous thing that we never heard of in our lives called last orders because the bar and the pub, well, pubs, the pubs close at eleven. Was it eleven thirty at the, that time? Oh, I was I'm eleven or eleven thirty or something. They don't. They're not allowed. They don't shut their doors, but they're not allowed anymore legally to sell alcohol past 11.30 because of their licenses. Oh. So people used to try and get their pints in before 11.30, <laughs> which was ridiculous. Ah. And I learned very quickly that I was never going to be a professional drinker. Like, oh, I just good. didn't have it in me. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily for my parents and, you know, the budget that they gave me to go to university with. Mm. But it was wild. I mean, I, I showed up there having grown up in Kenya. Someone's, you know, like ironed my clothes, washed my clothes, cooked my food, um, helped me clean my room. I, I started making my bed and stuff like that and kind of making my own food towards the end. But I didn't know how to open a bank account. I didn't know how to use a washing machine. I didn't know any of that. And I show up in the UK, a clueless African off the boat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's when you can call me a mashamba because I was oh, like yeah. a, ba a baby in the UK. <laughs> And so I, luckily I showed up with a friend from my high school. Alvin came with me. So we were both lost, two lost Kenyans oh, awesome. together. We plodded along and figured it out and followed other people. And we learned, you know. But I was amazed at my parents because putting myself in their shoes today, I would not let my boys go off to university without giving them those basic skills, you know, and knowing that they know how to do this stuff. But our parents were like, You've been to through high school. You're educated. Yeah. If you yeah. can't figure this out, what You're are you going to figure you're, out? You know, yeah. go become an adult. Yes, exactly. You got this. And so they give me like ten thousand pounds, which is for my fees, uh -huh. and it's for my living, in as a banker's check. And they're like, go open up a bank account and manage your cash for the year. Oh, I was like, damn. Okay, that's a lot of money. But by the time you pay your fees mm -hmm. and you start paying for your hall of residence, which is where we had a meal plan and everything, you're not left with much, with much by the end. Us. At the end, hmm. you're lucky if you're buying a nice big winter coat. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so, that, that was another thing you you had to face winter because you guys have if, if sort of winter in Kenya, right? It it gets cold, but yeah, no snow. Um, and it. I mean, I would say it drops to like 50s or something like that, maybe 45 or so. Okay. But here's the thing in Kenya, we don't have any heating. So you feel uh, that cold yeah, and yeah. you become accustomed to it. The house is not heated. We'd, we'd light a fire maybe if you have a hot fireplace or something. Mm -hmm. But everybody's walking around with what we call kabuti, which is a big, big blanket and you wrap yourself with the blanket. You know, everyone's got their kabuti <laughs> to uh, keep warm. That, that makes sense now. That makes sense. You know, I'd never considered that. With places like just where I was born in Nigeria, yeah, but I never. By the time I I, I left there, like uh, before, around age six, and um, I think even the Calabar or Budu Ranch area in Cross River State, it's a little, bit, it's mountainous. They do have um, the climate there's a little bit different from rest of the right. country, right? Like just the city where I was born is surrounded by twenty one, I think twenty, twenty one plateaus. That's why the state is just called Plato State. We, 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 we choose easy routes there. So we have a Plato State, we have a River State, so you can figure out why it's River State. But um, the climate in those places, it's kind of like Joss has had a record. They've had snow in the, in the past. Right. Which is really rare for Nigeria, but yeah. it's like once every 50 years or something yeah, like we, that. Yeah, we have snow, but it's not like snow falling from the sky, really. it's mm -hmm. You don't see it like that. 
it's more um, dew on the grass that's yeah. frozen. So it's yeah. frost more than anything else. Yeah. So but in, in, last time I was in Joss, I, 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 I was uh, already in the States and I came back. It was really a really cold winter in 2009. And when I arrived in Joss, wow, oh, it's nice weather. You know, it's warm. You know, and I'm used to winter in America. Well, I was just getting used to winter in America. I've been in America for like two years. And you know, everybody there has the big, they're wearing big, long, uh, long um, winter coats. And I'm like, what, what are you wearing this for? It's not even cold. But yeah, I forgot to consider. But it also, I guess, becomes a fashion statement there. But oh, yeah, the thing you know is, us, we, we, we have to, of course. Nigeria is on a different level from <laughs> us. They have, they have, they buy coats. You know, we're starting to buy coats now. I guess for our winters, we're starting to figure out. Okay, it's winter. We need coats. You know, but it's taken us decades yeah. to let go to of those that. blankets that we wrap ourselves. Hey, with. if the blanket works, I, I, I would love to try the blanket. Like it's yeah. very cozy. It's mm-hmm. cozy. That, that's all I need. Make it cozy. That's all. Exactly. You know, it's not. Uh, yeah, they, they, we, 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 you know, we, we, we're like, oh, it's cold. Like, well, but we know we are like trying to look good too. And then, exactly. Like, well, that's like, the thing about Nigerians. <laughs> you gotta look good, man. <laughs> oh, man. That's uh, Kenyans are known for their color clashes, like the orange and pinks or orange and purple, you know, wearing sweaters with those colors in them and stuff. Mm-hmm. We're known for color clashes. Nigerians are known for their style. Well, actually, I, I, I gravitate towards color clashing. I like no. it. Uh, it's I like that it. I, 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 I own it. I've, I forgot <laughs> what I was reading. I read some. So, I read something a long time ago. I think it was. I think that's some science report. Well, some report, some research that said color clashing is uh, actually a sign of. Uh, I think it's powerful men or. I, it, I mean, it shows yeah, confidence. I yeah, think to pull off a color it just, clash. It just definitely stuck with me. And since then, it's like some days I'm like, oh, I'm wearing blue, black, and one well, of my socks is all different colors. Oh no, I should go change. I'm like, Wait a minute, it's color clashing. That's fine. And I do. <laughs> like, because otherwise, it was one color only or two colors that have to go together. And, yeah, and even though sometimes I still feel I'm more, I'm still dressed conservatively. But uh, yeah, I, I, I love color clashing. Anytime it happens, it, it happens organically for me. When it happens, I'm like, oh yeah, I love it. Yeah. So. Just own it. Yeah, well, that's it. New York style. Just own it. That's it. Yeah. Now, now, now I don't really give a damn anymore but um, if anyone wants to hire me as a model hey we, we can make it work you know? <laughs> there you so, go next career we are going to jump to your arrival in the states but before we do we should take a quick break and when we come back we should be talking about America welcome to America hi everyone we've made it two years and who would have thought so so let's go for that and make it three, make it four, make it five, make it six, who knows? 20. But we can't do this without your support. So join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash white label American POD pod or linktree.com slash white label American. Go there and you'll see our Patreon link and you can join us for as low as $3. We have bonus content. We have bonus materials. There's so much juice over there that we don't release to the public. And yeah, you can contribute to making this podcast better. You can send questions. You can send your ideas. And also, there's a lot of new things that are coming. The announcements are made on Patreon first because we have to, you know, take care of people who help make this podcast possible so you can be the one to make this podcast what you want it to be 
come join us on patreon and make it what you like to see join us make it fantastic keep the five stars coming in keep the love coming in thank you for the privilege of your company welcome back and thank you for staying with us so preach you are in um were you in kenya when you decided to move to the states um, I was actually sort of in Kenya and I moved to the States via the UK. So before I, you know, it's it's not easy to move to the States. You have to yes. get a visa. You mm -hmm. have to get a foot, you know, in the door. And I came here as a student to the States. So I was waiting for my student visa to come through. And I was kind of in this limbo zone um, where I'd left my job at the radio station. I didn't want to hang out jobless in Nairobi with weird fans. You know, I was on yeah. radio. <laughs> and then with also like people judging because... Um, Nairobi is a small community, you know, that we're in and people like, oh, you're not doing anything. You're not working. Mm -hmm. What are you doing now? So I didn't want all of those questions. And um, my parents didn't either. So I ended up going to the UK first to my uncle and aunt's house, like I mentioned in Newcastle. And using that as my jumping off point and finishing off um, all my sort of applications, you know, to go to the universities in the, U in the US. Good. And that's what brought me here. I came to do my master's degree here. Um, I came here as a student to New York. And you chose New York. Why yeah. Why New York? Um, I wanted to go to the new school. I liked their media studies program, but I'd always wanted to go to New York hmm. for the longest time. You know, you grow up watching all those movies yeah. on America, and New York seems like such an incredible place um, and, and a place where you could really grow as a person. Hmm. I grew here, but not in the ways that I thought I was going to, you know. New York, none of us. And you, you can't predict what New York <laughs> is going to do to you and who you're going to become in New York. You cannot predict that. Mm. So, yeah, ended up here um, in 1999. Wow. Still pretty fresh-faced, you know, but at least knowing now how to use a washing machine <laughs> <laughs> and cook some food <laughs> and clean a kitchen. So, um, one question. Since you came through the UK, this question will be a little bit, uh, your answer might not be the usual that I get, but I, 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 I like asking about what airline people flew for the first time coming to America. You remember the airline that you took? Yeah, I do. It was Virgin Atlantic. Oh, Virgin Atlantic. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the first time I've gotten Virgin Atlantic. Because and it was, it was a new plane, which was nice. So all the like screens, everything was brand new. Which is pretty cool. Well, since you had already flown, you so you were already used to long long haul flights. Yeah, yeah long haul flights. Yeah, and I was accustomed. You, you, to you knew it. the deal. Like when they asked, uh, when they brought food and drinks, you were like, "Yeah, you already paid for this." Yeah. Yeah, yeah because someone whose name we won't they don't mention know. right I now. I know it's so sweet. Yeah, so sweet. Won't mention the person's name, but but when, when I sit next to people who mm -hmm. like that, sometimes on Kenya Airways, that tends to happen often. And if I'm going back to Kenya and yeah. I sit next to somebody who seems like they they don't quite get what they can and can't do, I'm like, okay, let me tell you how this works. Oh, the bathroom awesome. is there. You go anytime you want. You could you want food? You get you eat all the food they give you, and you can even get more if you want more. You know, <laughs> they're See, like, and money. I'm like, no, no money. Don't the don't person, bring your money out. The person <laughs> should have you know he could have used somebody like you sitting next to him. But also, he was also a young guy who thought he knew it all. So I was like, Oh, that's if I, it. You, if you're hiding you should, it, yeah. You should ask questions. But it's like, when, when anybody came, like, um, what would you like to drink? Like, did they make me pay for water? I don't know if I didn't pay for water. And the guy next to him was just getting, give, give me gin, give me wine, give me this. He was just getting everything. And the guy was eating. I'm like, dang, I'd love to eat too. But I don't have money. 
<laughs> just be quiet. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> then you find out later on, like, well, And I... apparently alcohol is supposed to have a, a, a stronger impact once you're at altitude. I don't know if that's true, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know either, but. I, I think have I've not tested had, it. I've, well, I've, I've had a few drinks. Had quite a few drinks on, on, in the sky. Yeah. I'm going to lie, but uh, yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's why it does. Hmm. Maybe that's why it does heat differently. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, We'll have to myth bust it one day. Yeah. Although I don't drink, so you'll have to wait for that day when I, I might have a possibly, potentially have a drink. I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait. There's no rush. You're not missing out on anything. It's all good. <laughs> well, I've been there. It's not that I, I never did. I used to, but yeah, not you, anymore. You took a break. I took a break. Good. Definitely. I need to be able to practice that. Um, I've already had someone who um, had to go to rehab on the podcast and uh, talked about that too. Yeah, yeah, I do admire people who are not like, hey, if it's wrong, there's nothing wrong if you take a break from drinking or you totally quit drinking. Yeah, yeah my husband's doing the dry January thing at the moment. Oh. Yeah. Has he, he been successful with it? Yeah, he's been good so far. Yeah, he has um, non-alcoholic beers. Just oh. to sort of give him that sort of feeling in the uh -huh. evening that he's making a drink for himself. It's his relaxation moment, you know. Okay. Like, okay, oh. not a bad plan. That's a good way to work and, around and, it. And over now in America, there's more non-alcoholic beers. And in Germany, it's like every brand has its non-alcoholic version. Ah, uh, right, yeah. So yeah, some of them are awful. I've tasted them. Yeah, like, no, this is yeah. not... <laughs> yeah, it's like you have because when I see the non-alcoholic beers, it's like brand new brands, right? And you don't know what you're getting. No, it's hit and miss. So you yeah. have to experiment and buy. He bought like three different ones at first, and then figured out the one that he liked. Mm -hmm. I think he was he was smart about that. That's kind of the approach you need to take. To I also heard of mocktails. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Has he tried mocktails? Yeah, I I I don't think so. Um, because he's. His drink is a very specific cocktail. Okay. So if he goes down, it's like opening the gateway, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll it'll make him want to, ha want to have the real deal. But okay. I have mocktails all the time because I go out with people and they're all like, why don't you drink? Have a drink. So I always get something so people see me holding something and they're not always like, drink, 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 you know? Oh. So, the, the, so everywhere has a mocktail? Or, or you could just, yeah. Or you just it, create yours? You can create your own or they could, okay. they probably have a version, yeah. Oh, all right. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Uh, yeah, not every time I want, I want to drink, even when I'm out with people, I'm like yeah, but I can I, I don't mind having something that looks like I'm drinking. Right, you know, exactly. Sounds sounds like where I might go, you know, when I start trying that out. So, you are in New York, best city in the world. You now, you know, were you tempted to go to stray out of the media part to try something else? When you arrived? No, not at all. I mean, we started. I started doing my course at the new school in uh, Masters in Media Studies, and um, I loved production. I loved being behind the camera. Um, I loved uh, editing. That's one thing that I discovered um, for myself in that course was editing, and I sort of got in that moment where you just sort of lose yourself and you don't know what time of day it is, and you've been doing this task editing for hours and hours, and you don't realize like almost a whole day has gone by. Mm -hmm. And I definitely discovered my passion there. You know, I really, I really sort of hit on something that was me. And then my grades like went through the roof as well. So I got an academic scholarship because I was, you know, a strong student there. Good. So we didn't have to pay fees for my second year there, which was pretty awesome. Hey. Especially for my parents who were like, we've already <laughs> done this for you, okay? <laughs> Why are you doing it again? <laughs> uh. 
So that helped um, a lot. And yeah, I just I immediately, as soon as I could start working, I did. I started um, editing for an uh, advertising company. And it was $20 an hour. And I was still a student. Mm. And um, I worked for them for a while. And I actually, I still work for that boss now. He's one of my clients and he still comes to me every now and then. And he's, you know, from that older generation. So sometimes he wants something simple like, can you make a PDF out of this? I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Here's 20 bucks. I'm like, okay, cool. And he's still doing the 20 bucks thing. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, it's very cute. Uh, yeah, it is a cute story. <laughs> so um, let's rewind back. Still in New York, but rewind back to your earlier days in New York. What do you consider to be your New York moment where you were like, oh, I'm in New York now. This is this is New York. This is not, I'm no longer in the UK. I'm no longer in Kenya. This is in New York. Welcome to New York moment. Um, I think that was when I started understanding how to get around on the subway was my New York moment. Mm. I felt like I'm here and I own this place now. Hey. Because we used to get lost on the subway, you know, mm. and it just didn't make sense. We we were used to um, a friend of mine. I'm saying we a friend of mine was with me at the time. We were used to the London Underground in the UK. You read the map, you follow the map, and you get to where you're going. Here, you read the map, you follow the map, and you end up in the Bronx. <laughs> like what? The, what the hell happened? <laughs> How did this happen? The dude was saying something, uh. and I don't know what he was saying. He was. I thought it was just like a broken microphone, yeah. <laughs> but apparently, it was very important what he was saying. <laughs> So I think that moment when I figured out the subway made me feel like, okay, I've landed and I've arrived and I'm in New York. But it's also just like the people you meet here, you know? And one day sitting at a, a restaurant at a table with new friends and going around the table and asking people where you're from. One was from India. One was Somalia. One was, you know, um, California. One was a New Jersey. And then me, Kenya. And I'm like, okay, that is New York. And that's what I was expecting a New York experience to be. You meet people from all over the world and um, every sort of color and flavor and color clash is represented, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, that, that reminds me of one of my favorite New York moments that I don't highlight enough. It was one night, uh, I don't even think I have the individual's number anymore, but we were, he had called me to come somewhere. We met through Meetup. And... I don't know, I think he was t trying to get me to a party or a club or something and we ended up at, uh, is it Madison's Park opposite the Iron Building? Uh-huh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were at Madison's and he had a drink and a gentleman asked if he could join us. And we sat down and I was like, okay, and just started sharing stories and he turned out to be Jewish. The, the dude who invited me was born and raised in Bangladesh. And he's still he's still practicing Muslim, and myself who was already becoming an atheist then and but born in Nigeria and we all just sharing, well we're sharing from the same bottle that was pre-COVID times so it's a lot different then you know <laughs> and it was um, some rum or some something hot so we just felt like yeah it was easy to share that, but just three of us drinking and sharing and I think it was the Jewish guy who um, who made um, who made the because it was it was a white Jewish guy and he made the the comment that, yeah, you know, in some places, we're all supposed to be fighting. Mm. And That's true. Then he, we busted out laughing. And, <laughs> and after that day, we never hung out again. But 
it was just a nice cool moment that yeah. you know we, we got to have to ourselves and of course my, my most of my friend groups and you've seen some of them it's always diverse full of people from everywhere so yeah but that's that's a really a new york thing and it's um, one night that i always appreciate for the rest of my life so you are you you started off in front of the mic and then you discovered your passion was for behind for being behind the mic and being that you've worked on both sides of it what what's your what 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 stands out to you why, why is why is it important is it important for let's say we have someone who's trying to get into the the media space the media industry and they they can't make up their mind if they should be in front of the mic or they should be behind the mic what would your advice be to them well i would i would tell them that they should try both of course you know don't limit yourself don't decide until you've tried both first of all you know um you can't make a decision and until you've like wet your feet mm. and then i would say that one would build on the other so if you decide to be in front of the mic that's something that's going to make you um a better a storyteller you know you're going to start understanding what goes well what flows well what people are engaged with and that'll also make you a better editor because that's what editing is it's also an an art of you know telling stories and um putting things that are not so exciting together in an exciting and interesting way you know so i i believe that they're both very linked and related to each other but they're different feelings in the body so like being in front of the mic um you can be more you know out of your body more nervous yeah um less at ease and if that's how you feel maybe it's still something you like to do but it's, you need to overcome it and the the best way to overcome it is keep putting yourself out there whereas being an editor you're you're like a mushroom you're in a dark room all day long you know <laughs> you're not in front of people well, Walter is not you, in you're here. not putting your voice out there you know you just kind of well you should put your voice out there but you're just putting your mind into this program basically you know and you're connecting with the computer mm-hmm. and you feel like a cyborg in some ways because this computer becomes an extension of you and the way your mind works you know So in that sense they're very different. Um the body experience and the yeah. the mind sort of the cerebral experience is very different I would say. I, I love I love that I love the way you put it. Because I don't think I've ever considered an editor as being a storyteller through what they do. And that's very important and you know I've always uh I, I've worked with editors and I I do some editing on my own too. but not as good as Walter or Josh. Yeah, I, I, I like I like the pros to handle it. Um yeah, I'm I'm just good with the mic for the most part. But uh in being in front of the mic. But um the editors play a big part in storytelling and yeah, that that it, it, it should be recognized and it should be Yeah, they absolutely about, do. And you're right about recognition as well. I feel like they don't get enough love, you know, the movies mm-hmm. that make it, the TV shows that make it. Yeah. Um no one remembers the editor's name. We remember mm. the actor's name. We remember the director's name. Yeah. The editor is like the one who fades into obscurity quicker than anybody else, sad to say. But I don't mind that. It's not that I'm bitter about that in any way. It's just something for everybody else in the industry that it's like, you know, if you're going to go down that path, don't expect, you know, glory for mm. for what you're doing. It you're doing it for the love and you're doing it because you have something to contribute. You have a skill set. You have um a talent in it and that's why you're doing it. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. And yeah, I um I, I'm guilty of that too of not like knowing 
the rest of the people who work behind the scenes. But uh, luckily, I've been listening to some podcasts that make it that I give recognition to everyone who work on any project and. And then luckily, I've gotten to know a couple of people in the industry. Not big names yet, but um, hopefully they'll get there. And the stuff I've been learning from them, that's when I was like, oh, you know, you take this for granted. But if that person does a terrible job, there's a, you're not going to be able to enjoy that product. You know, there's a reason why some movies, you can't hear what is being said. And people are like, well, what's going on here? Or well, the, the picture looks too dark. It looks, and you're like, oh, this. A whole lot of people who, whose names you might not see or remember, but um, if they don't do their job right, you you know you notice. Right, and absolutely. That's why their job is very important. So it yeah. made me change the way I look at. It takes a village, um, like they say, you know, to yeah. raise a child. It takes a village to make a movie. Yeah, as well. <laughs> yes, yes. So I'm not going to stay too long on. Uh, um, I'm not going to spend the whole time on the media side of it because. You have some interesting hobbies and interests well, that you do. Oh, before I, before I get to your hobbies, um, you also give back. You know, you also contribute to um, back home. And why, why is that important to you to like to give back to the community, both here and back home? I think it's really important because um, I am who I am because of Africa, because of Kenya. I wouldn't I wouldn't be this person if I hadn't grow up grown up where I grew up. And then I grew up in a home where yes, my parents were there, but we were supported. We you know we were lucky to have um a nanny. We had a driver. He wasn't Kenyan, he was Ethiopian, which is hilarious. Uh-oh. And he he taught us how to swear in Amharic, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I, and then I, I also I had like Amharic. we also had um you know, a housekeeper and that kind yeah. of stuff. Those are also the people who raised me, you know? And those are the people that sort of hold Africa together in many ways. It's the same here. Um, what holds America together in many ways are the immigrants, right? And the illegal immigrants. Let's be realistic here. Oh, nobody's right? illegal on this podcast. <laughs> we, we, we all, either you're undocumented or exactly. not. We're all immigrants. The immigrants, immigrants and the immigrate. wannabe citizens will yeah, call yeah, them. Everybody has you know? the right to immigrate. So. Absolutely. And I think that's what holds things together. And those are the people that deserve us to think about them. And, and do something to support them at some point. So if I have, and I have the time or I have the means, I'm always going to be, be able to, and, and I'm always going to make sure that I give back somehow. And now what do I have I, that I can give? It's also my knowledge, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm in media, I've studied and everything. I know you don't want to go the, down this track too much, but no, no, I'll do fine. courses back home and I'll teach people um, Things like information and media literacy. I'll teach them about fake news, which I think is really important and something that... Oh, I'm a, I'll have a question on that. Something that we need in our schools yes. which we don't have here, you know, on our curriculum. I mean, I look at my son's... He's 10 years old. He's in fifth grade now. And I look at his timetable and every day it's like two and a half hours of math, two and a half hours of English. And But his life and his time is spent where? In front of a screen. And that's what he wants. That's where he wants to be, right? He's not on mm-hmm. social media and stuff yet. He's 10. He, it's, he's going to get there. And he needs the tools to manage his life and to manage the digital world that, that is there for him, you know, and that he lives in. He lives in a digital world. We all do at this point. Yes, we do. And then how do you manage your life in your phone? Oh. You know, <laughs> your wife in your phone too, or your husband in your phone. <laughs> 
you know, you got to think about all of that as well. So that's a great that's a great point. Because yeah, it, it, we keep hearing different people saying, you know, education or the kids need better education and better education. And then, like for me, I like to ask, well, what does better education mean to you? What is what are you trying to bring? And then there's always this gap of forgetting the digital world that we all spend a lot of time in. And it's like, oh, the kids will grow up one day and then figure that out. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but you're creating a vacuum. And when you create a vacuum, it's not necessarily going to be filled by good things. And we're already seeing the crazies out there. And that's why I was happy when you said your older son is a big fan of Trevor Noah because I know someone who um, he's, he's a comic uh, it's a comedian and his son, his eldest was, um, yeah, was his eldest or his second, uh, either the eldest or the second son. One of them unfortunately fell into the rabbit hole of the, the manosphere and started, you know, looking up all this. Yeah. Um, being recommended. So the algorithm was just sending him all them far right videos and all the right. crazy the women are making life difficult for us men kind of thing. And luckily he caught it and had to lead to some serious conversations. And yeah. he had to be open with how he used to be one of those type of people and that, that kind of thing. And that's when I realized that, oh, you know, there's a whole lot of kids coming through. And if the focus is only on math, English, and then like in many of Ni many Nigerian spaces, everybody's just shouting coding, 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 coding. It's important, yes. But... Where are the kids going to spend their time? Where are they mm -hmm. spending? You, you don't educating them on that. What how to watch out for danger because there are dangerous people out there. They're and, chaos and, and that's the thing. Even and, then, even if we do start educating them now mm -hmm. about what what it's like to be on social media, how you need to balance, you know, your time on social media, your time spent in the real world, um, how to decipher what's real and yes. what's what's the truth coming at you on on online, you know, and what's lies. Mm -hmm. That we have to do, but I think even then we're behind the game because yeah. eventually, where's this all going to go? We have to start anticipating where it's what it's all going to evolve into. I, I think at some point we're going to be given cash based on our internet data. So the more data you put out on the internet about yeah. yourself, like the more the algorithms know who you are, the more money you'll get in your account. They're going to start monetizing each human being's data at some point, I think. That's one of my predictions about where digital is going to go. I could be completely wrong. And we, we can't anticipate 100% where the technology is going to lead and take us, you know? Yeah. We also have AI coming down the pike. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, and that's going to be another level. I'm, I'm someone who uses AI for certain things. But yeah. It, I'm which, and it can be amazing for certain uh, It's things. amazing, but it's also yes. scary at the same time. It is. It's Cause, terrifying because yeah. we don't know where it's going to end up, right? And where it's going to take us as a, as the human race. Yes, because um, <clears throat> I always use the example of social media. You know, I remember when I was being told, you know, come on Facebook. Everybody's on Facebook. I'm like, huh? What, what's face? Face? Why, why, why am I coming to put my face on a book? Like, mm -hmm. I read too many books and all that kind of talk. And then finally, I joined Facebook. It was just a very simple thing back then and you know yes you could find new friends you could message people but even when the messaging became a thing it was still you know it, it you saw it growing little by little and then i was at work in uh, bahrain and uh we weren't supposed to have facebook open at work but you know i'm the type who clears out his work 
before lunchtime, so I'm usually free after that. So yeah, everybody had Facebook on their as one of the tabs open. And one day I just start hearing, I'm like, I'm hearing a phone ring, but it's not from my desk. And it's not the, my colleague behind me. She wasn't at her desk because I stood up and sometimes I answer her calls if she's not there and you know, take a message. But I was like, where's this call coming from? Right. And we walked in a classified building so you don't bring in your cell phones except duty cell phone, which is issued by the command. But you're not supposed to bring in cell phones. So that's a big no-no to have a phone ringing. And that's how I discovered that you could make calls on Facebook. Oh my Somebody gosh. had called me. He thought, he thought I was online and called and you know, I'd open my Facebook tab. For some reason, I just said, check my Facebook tab. And I'd open my tab. And right there, I see somebody on the screen calling. Why are you calling me at work? And I had to disconnect. And I'm like, what? You can make phone calls? Wait, I thought this was... And Next thing you know, there's movies, there's everything. There's oh, we need your credit card and yeah. Like, but that you know, the kids now they won't know that Facebook was one bland, simple, no desert back then. I mean, they wouldn't even know the world without the internet. Nope. You know, if I told yeah. them that when I was in university, the internet was just becoming a thing. Um, they don't even understand a world without cell phones. Oh, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't uh, even know uh, if my uh, youngest one knows what a regular <laughs> dial-up phone looks like. Probably I've not. Showed, I've, showed, <laughs> I've showed Clara, which is funny when yeah. she sees that. She always laughs. But, yeah, I, luckily, I, I was in Nigeria when cell phones were introduced. And it was a whole different world then. But now it's like you talk to Nigerians, they're like... I need the latest Samsung. I need the latest iPhone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My dad was like, bring me the latest iPhone when mm -hmm. you come back. You know, he wants it, he wanted the Pro, the Pro Max. I think that's the new one, 14. Yeah, I don't keep up with iPhones, but I think so. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> buy it because it wasn't available until January. That sold out. Uh -huh. And I'm like, Dad, I, I can't. Yeah, you have to have some inside connection. And I was like, I'll mail it to you. And like, yeah. don't do that. And I have to deal with duty. <laughs> and then it may not get here. And you're going to give me a headache, is what yeah. he tells me. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, something that I wish that more people will be aware of. And, you know, I, I, for me personally, I don't believe some media are supposed to be doing what they're doing right now, where it's like, you know, I know it's all about keeping people there. But, you know, I, I still remember, I'm glad I got to see Facebook the way it was back then. And right. then now you're, you're like a bank. When it first like, started up, it was amazing, right? Yeah. And you could connect to all these people yeah. from your past. You still had Yahoo Messenger back then too. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was, so there were different ways to connect to people and it, it felt, okay, this yeah. is the next level. All right. Is this when you had a Hotmail account? Email uh, account? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 Yahoo. For some reason, I think oh, you back Yahoo. in Nigeria, Hotmail was a problem the day I tried to open uh, okay. an email. Or there was you had to pay for Hotmail. I'm like, hell, yeah, I don't even know how to give. So I put money in the computer. or What? Like, oh no, you need credit card. Like, I'm, where, where I get a credit card from? I don't have money, that kind of money. You know I, how old you are when you can look at your email trajectory. If you go from AOL to Yahoo to <laughs> Gmail, you know, <laughs> that's when you know how old someone uh, is. You can yep. sort of date them that it's, way. <laughs> uh, yeah, there I went to the Google's um, headquarters in the city. Uh, they had an event for veterans. And they hosted us and they gave us a tour of their building and they showed us their mini museum inside. Uh -huh. And like, oh, this was like the first, uh, the computers when you, you know, this, I'm pretty sure some people did chatting on these type of computers. Like, oh, no, man, I'm, I have to act like I've never seen that before. I'm young. I'm younger than that. Because, oh, my God, yeah, yeah, oh, I'm old. Oh, I'm like, oh, no. It's like, I remember this type of computers. Like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you are not defined only 
uh, part of your story, the, the, the media is part of, just only a part of your story. It's not the whole story. You're, you also do tour guides? Yes. So I, I take um, people on safari to Kenya. Oh. So um, I should sign up for that. When they're, when they're ready and when their kids are old enough or if they just at, you know, retire and things like that, I'll organize a, a safari tour for them. And either I'll go with them mm -hmm. or I'll connect them with people, usually my parents, because they have a safari company. If they're busy, I have friends who also run safari, so I connect them with, with them and they'll go on um, to the wild animal parks and, and go on safari that way. Oh, nice. So it, it's, it's unique in Kenya. It's different from South Africa. South Africa safari, I would say, is much more, um, it's, it's more tame. You know, you, there's wild parks you can go to, but a lot of it is kind of very curated and managed and, you know, it's it's not as wild. Um, Kenya is much more, yeah, you're in the wild, you know. Oh. You don't step out of your car because you can get yeah. you can get messed up. Okay. You're not going to do that. Yeah, that, that. That's the real deal. <laughs> Stay that's, in your that, car. That's, that's, that's why my Nigerians will say, yes, that's, that is the, yeah, that is, that's the type they don't show on TV. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the real it's it's National Geographic. It's if you want to go on TV, it's yeah. that it's, it's that level, you know. Or, or and at the same time, <clears throat> you are an aspiring DJ. Well, I used to DJ back in the day. Okay. So this is something that um, I want to get back into doing again. You know, I haven't done it in many many years, and I, I want to just sort of revive that. So I was analog. Um, turntables, yeah. had my records, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, nice. And we used to do house parties in Brooklyn. And then sometimes we'd rent, up a, rent a place and then take, up, take over the place um, and just bring our equipment there and tell the bar, okay, you know, don't charge us. We're going to set up. We're going to have a party. If you don't make a certain amount of money at the end of the evening from the bar, then you can, you know, we'll pay the extra whatever it is. So maybe we'll say, okay, you're going to make 600 tonight. If you don't make 600, we'll close the gap. If you make five hundred, we'll pay that one hundred or whatever. Oh. They'd always make much more. Yeah. They'd be like, "When are you coming back?" You know. Wow. <laughs> so that was something we'd do, and we'd do different venues around the city, which was fun. Um, so, so it's it's my passion. It's something I want to get back into doing. I haven't had time, you know, being a mother, mm -hmm. uh, raising two boys. Yeah. That's kept me busy, and then working as well at the same time. But now I feel like they're older. And I have more space mm -hmm. for this to come into my life. And one day they're going to go. That's right. And I'll be like, I don't want to be on the couch bi biting my nails, <laughs> waiting for them to come back home and see mommy at Thanksgiving, you know. They'll be seeing you I, I wanna have my, I want to have my thing. I want to yeah. have my thing, you know. You, you have your, um, oh, what's this channel called? On my, one of my channels on that I like to watch on YouTube. I have to open my YouTube and see what that, um, it's just DJs. Scratching. Uh, oh, you have to share that with me. Playing. Yeah, I'll send it to you. I don't know how much scratching I would do. So I'm well, not. I'm they not don't so really much... scratch, but they just play like in their living room. Right. You can tell that they're mostly in their living rooms. Um, one is boiler boiler room is oh, the big, boiler room. Yeah, the big I, one. I do watch. I actually that one. got a guest. I watch the boiler, boiler room. room. Yeah. But the other one. The is, lot. Uh, is it the lot? Because they're a radio station as well. The yes, lot radio. Uh, let's see. Why am I not seeing it right now? Hmm. I think it's, I thought it starts with a V. But um, yeah, I, sometimes I, you know, I just try to keep Clara like, okay, we're not gonna let, let's just calm down. Let's all right. I just find on YouTube always recommends a bunch of the DJs who've been there, and it's a very diverse cast of DJs from all over. So yeah, and I'm just all right, Clara. Let's play, let's try this one. She's like, oh, I don't know this music, and then oh, okay. And then you see her bumping her head. I'm like, okay, so. 
You're feeling it? You like this one? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're going, we're going to rock with that. I like that. So what what type of uh, music were you DJing while I look for this? Um, House music. Okay. Yeah. And then African music, Kenyan music, um, Nigerian, of course, because Nigeria is huge when it comes to the, the music scene. And then historically, Nigeria has contributed a lot to African music. And now Afro house, the South African style kind of house music. I'm, oh, I'm a piano. I'm a piano as yeah. well. Yeah. And then, of course, Afro beat, or they call it Afro pop. Uh, well, to me, it's Afro pop. But yeah, um, yeah. And, well, I'm not going to go on that. Yeah, it's <laughs> we won't just, do that that debate just yeah, yet. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it opens up something else in me. And I'm like, mm, well, yeah, I don't know this Afro beat that people call it. Afro beat. Yeah. Yeah. It's pop. It's pop. Pop yeah. from the continent, basically. Yeah, you know? that's all it is. I'm like, yeah. why can't you guys just call it that? So mainly that. And then um, maybe if I learn how to scratch again, which I was able to do a little bit of some old school hip hop, you know. But the new hip hop, I don't know. It just doesn't, it yeah, doesn't resonate with me. With today's DJ. It doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't stick with me. And that I think that's generally what it's like with music anyway. Mm-hmm. You know how a song would come out and it would just stick around in the world forever, for a long time, yep. you know? And that song would become like an anthem. It would become a big deal. You don't get that as much these days, you know? Like everybody knowing one particular song. Maybe it's citywide. Maybe in New York something will come out in the summer. Like Despacito. Remember when mm. Despacito came, came out a few summers ago and everybody yeah. knew it? So maybe that happens like within a city. But worldwide, I don't think we have that sort of... Music doesn't stick that way. Songs don't stick that way anymore. I don't know if... Because there's they, so much content. Yeah, there's so much content. And they so keep I think putting new stuff out, churning new stuff out yeah, all the time. Yeah, so. you have to. And I also found out not too long ago how the music industry, how musicians really make money from just by releasing music. So I, I can understand. Why they need out. to do that, right? They yeah, need to a lot of, produce a and lot. It, and songs are shorter too now in comparison to 10, 20 That's years true. ago. And I just get crazy when the DJs play things so short. You know, have you been to these DJs where they play 10 seconds of this one and 20 seconds oh, of that one? And th- yeah, I'm like, just let yeah, it ride, yeah, man. Let, let I want to hear this song for a little while. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I'm already, I'm already putting out my phone to Shazam the song. And, and it's over. It's gone. I'm like, yeah. what is this? Or you're just getting into a beat. And you're like, oh, I like this yeah, one. And something yeah. else comes uh, up. You're like, come on, man. Let it sit. But yeah, there's this new sort of genre of DJ. I don't know what they're called. They, they must have a name to them that plays snippets of songs and they barely they barely give it like enough airtime. I have a DJ friend I can ask what they're called. Yeah. yeah. But actually, you know the funniest thing? I could have hooked you up with a bunch of vinyl records a few, few days, a few weeks ago. Oh no! There's a I house the that we've nick- <laughs> nicknamed myself and a friend. We've nicknamed that house The Castle and well, every once in a while, they tend to throw away stuff. Yeah. And I just so happened to be walking Chester. And I was like, oh, well, what do you have here? And there was a box with, well, from just the eye count estimate, that was well over 40 vinyl that the person Amazing. threw away. Amazing, yeah. So I was like, oh, I can't carry this with this dog because you know, Chester, is, you know, he's, um, he gets anxious around other dogs so trying to jump at them. So I had to call my boy, like, are you at home? Run out here now. Run out here and grab this before somebody comes and grabs all this. Exactly. And he's he's now set up um, a DJ stand at his place, and he's always telling me to come try it out. And you know, he found vinyl players on the street. I found I found one one day, but I just I was like, I don't know if I can carry this. But then I didn't thought about collecting, picking up stuff. I only picked up frames. Right. 
for my posters and I was it's like, amazing what people oh, will throw out have, in new york right yeah i was like i should have grabbed this and when i saw it set up at his place and he was like oh yeah i found this i found this and he has now like over 100 records amazing well i have to go visit him too uh, yeah <laughs> I, i'll let you i'll let you know one night you can come over and we'll, we'll both do some we'll mixing because he he was a pre- he's the person that showing me like oh this is how you mix and i'm like oh okay i can do this i can I'll do a youtube video myself doing that I think the channel is called My Analog Journal. Oh, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. I'll, 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 um, I'll, after the recording, I'll, I'll send you a couple. Yeah. So have you jumped? Have you done the parachute jumpings, skydiving? Recently, no. When I first moved to the U.S. is when I did it. So my dad's friend was a skydiver. Mm-hmm. And he had a, he, he ran a drop, what's called a drop zone, where people would go up in the air and, and skydive. Um, his name is Dale Nelson. And so Dale um, holds the Guinness Book of Records for doing the most jumps in 24 hours. Oh, wow. The most skydives in 24 hours. Wow. And he has a record of third, 300 and something jumps in 24 hours. It was in crazy. 24 hours. There was a plane waiting on the ground for him. So he jumped, yeah. get in the next plane. Jump, get in the next plane. What? Yeah. The, the guy was really, he, he's really I intense mean, about jumping. There's so. there some <laughs> records out there. I'm just like, wow. But I what? think he has a guardian angel because given the probability you know, that you would hurt yourself based on how many jumps he's done. Yeah. It's a miracle he has not broken a single bone. Wow. It's it's pretty amazing. And you get to the drop zone and you know you're in a different place with different human beings because there's people with broken arms, they're still going up. There's a guy with a broken leg or ankle, they're still going up. They broke their leg last week. What? Like, these guys are serious. Okay. Not- they're very dedicated. So I didn't get into skydiving to, you know, to that degree. Mm-hmm. I would. I never really got to the point where I did enough jumps where I could jump on my own. I was always jumping in tandem with somebody. Okay. But you know, it was a hobby. Oh, still better than me. But my first I'm jump that I did it. was parachute jump in the UK. What, what was that feeling like? The parachute jump was mm-hmm. a nightmare. It was literally static line. So you know, it's those ones that pull out of the plane, like in the old school cartoons, and it opens up. Yes. Before you leave the plane, it, you don't. You're not in the oh, air. You're not yeah, flying okay, skydiving. So you, okay. You, it just opens up automatically, and it's a line that's attached to the plane that pulls it up, pulls up the parachute. Oh. We did that one, and that was like it was very intense. We did it with the British um, Army. Oh, the Royal they, Air Forces. Yeah, they trained us and everything, and it was just like it was very painful. And you hit was the that ground for hard. Fun or for, it was for fun. We thought it oh. would be fun. We hit the ground extremely hard in the winter. <laughs> well, the armed forces. So. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're no joke. They're no joke. Yeah, they're, 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 uh, you, you, this is just soft for us. This is soft. Our, soft. our clue should have been when the, they switched over the training room. So in the beginning, we were training from a platform that was probably like eight feet high. Mm-hmm. And they'd make us jump off the platform onto mattresses and teach us how to roll oh. properly, how to take a fall. Because okay. we were going to take a hit when we hit the ground. They knew that. Because it's not like these modern day skydiving parachutes where you can you can flare it up before you land. You can kind of give yourself a little height and break mm-hmm. the fall. Here you just go straight down into the oh. ground, basically. Okay. So That's our first clue should have been when they brought us back into the training room and they'd moved the mattresses. And we now had to jump from that platform oh. onto the ground and learn how to roll by ourselves. Wow. So like, okay. Wow. <laughs> That's when I should have been like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Thank you. I'll go back to... Studying business studies and economics ah. <laughs> university. Wow. <laughs> Skydiving was a much better experience. And you do get that I'm in the air feeling, you know, mm-hmm. that flying experience before they start, before they pull the chute. That was, were you tempted that to that take a cool. selfie while you were up there? 
Yeah, it wasn't a thing then. <laughs> I think if it was, I may have been. <laughs> they did a video for me. I have it somewhere on VHS, but I don't know how to play it anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have to convert it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, skydive. If you had to pick between skydiving and scuba diving, which would you go with? Now, um, only have one. the mom in me is coming into play now, you okay. know, with that question. So it would definitely be scuba diving. <laughs> I have uh, two guys who are, mm -hmm. who are relying on me for many more years. Yeah. Um, but if I didn't have to worry about the kids, it would be skydiving again. I have a friend who, she's Nigerian, but she's lived in South Africa for so long. She's probably South African by now. And I remember when she sent me... Uh, um, what's it called? Yeah, she did bungee jumping at the Victoria Falls. And I was like, yeah, you're not Nigerian anymore. You know, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's obvious you live in South Africa for so long. Yeah, all right, bye. It was nice knowing you. <laughs> we, we lost one. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> bungee like, jumping is terrifying. Yeah, she, I don't she, know. She, she wanted me, to, um, then I was in the Navy and um, being in the Middle East, I had um, one free vacation where the Navy could send me anywhere in the world. Yeah. And she made a mistake of sending me that just before I was about to pick South Africa. So, yeah, the you know, Navy will buy the ticket. Yeah, I'll pick anywhere in the world. Let me go. Uh, like, bungee what? Oh, she's like, oh, yeah, I'll take you there. You, you can do it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to my boy in Finland. It seems more peaceful there. There's no... <laughs> it was during summertime, so I knew it was going to be much better weather. Yeah. So I was like, yep, I'm out of here. That's it. Nope. Now I'm not coming there for bungee. Bungee what? This, this girl's wild. Oh, no. That's that's totally different to skydiving. There's some there's some decent amount of distance between you and the ground when you're skydiving. Mm -hmm. When you're bungee jumping, you're right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I watch I watch too many cartoons of yeah. the rope breaking and <laughs> nah nah that's nah, uh, my, my brain. Yeah, I, I can deal with a lot of things, but not not that. Mm -mm. That's so, not for me either. Yeah. So staying with the fun stuff. You've been in New York for quite some time. You've lived in the UK also, but we're sticking to New York. You know, um, when it comes to cuisine, hmm, good one. You know, you you already you already mentioned some delicious meals earlier, but as a New Yorker now, what is your favorite go-to cuisine? Um, it's I'd have to say Thai food or Korean. I think Thai food is taking the lead right now on yeah. this podcast. I, I like both of them. I like Thai, of course, because it's the whole combination of flavors. Salty, sweet, spicy, all in one. Mm -hmm. Korean kind of hits on the same, you know? I don't think I've had a, a lot of Korean. I usually get Korean and Korean when I go to K-Town. But uh, yeah, in this neighborhood, do we have a Korean place? There's um, there's something that opened up recently. It's a Syrian-Korean restaurant. Oh, Interesting mix. Um, I forget which is the street. It's on. It's near Prospect Park West. I think it's 16, 17th Street, around there. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty good. All right. I'll, I'll and look it's opened it. up by the Korean family that used to run um, the bodega on that corner. So they, they sold that building or they sold the, 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 rest, the business and they opened up the restaurant, which is nice. And then oh. the guy who opened up the restaurant married a Syrian lady. So with her family... It's Syrian Korean sort of hybrid yeah. restaurant, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would love to try that. That's a good mix. That uh, you can't sit yeah. there, from what I can tell. I think it's just takeout only. So you order and you go with your food. Yeah, I'm fine with which that. Is, which is perfect. Yeah, 
but it's authentic, homemade, you know. Mm. They make their own kimchi, so they don't get kimchi from anywhere else. They oh. make their own, which is which is a special thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might I might go out there from them tonight. So with um with, with you being a DJ, this question will be interesting. I'm looking for how to phrase the question. But I'll still stick to my old style of phrasing this question. So everybody who appears on this podcast is considered a dancer. If you claim you don't dance, you know, we'll stop recording and kick you off. <laughs> but and in your case, it'll be hard to say you're not a dancer because you know, your, your background, you're right, you did DJing. So I mean, don't put me on the Broadway stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we don't need to do Broadway. That's not, we don't, that's, yeah, we don't consider that. But, but we, we're going with the real deal, and you're the real deal. So now, when it comes to music, we need you to give us three artists that can keep you dancing for at least an hour. Don't worry, we'll make a video of it. However, there's, there's a caveat because too many people have been naming bunch of names and okay so same. i can't so use like, some of them so okay. you can't be doing so i'll just give you examples no sure. bonaboy band okay no no beyonce or love i'm a part of the beehive but um, i love oh, the don't beehive. worry i'm going more old school than that so yeah um no michael jackson too okay because yeah we've got a michael jackson now you said old school let me see who else old school <laughs> can i mention okay i won't mention the other names because we haven't had some names from the past but yeah and also you have to give us Somebody from Kenya. I don't think we've had. Have we had Kenyan artists? Well, we've had a few Kenyans, yeah, but uh, they, they're also questionable Kenyans. Okay. They don't know why I'm calling them questionable. I got you. Because they didn't pick a So Kenyan I'm going to have to give a shout out to my Kenyans. But before I go there, I'll start old school. And if you want to we'll add go India back, too, you can add We'll India. go back in the day. So I'm going to start okay. with Prince. You can play most of Prince for me, and I'm, I'm happy to be dancing to Prince. Okay, well, that that's kind of like Michael Jackson territory. You right think here. so? Yeah. But you Prince. said Michael Jack. Okay, fine. You, I, I, I can't like, say Prince. Prince. One of the most popular <laughs> names. Okay, so you mean less popular, not as popular as? Well, hmm. the, let's the, see. The, the point of this question is to discover new. Okay, new mo- artists. New artists. I hear that you. I can add to my playlist. I hear you. Okay, so then you want to add um, Suraj S U R A J. I give what? a shout out to Suraj. That name sounds familiar. He's. He's Kenyan. He's a producer. He makes um, music similar to Black Coffee. Oh, okay. Um, Black Coffee was one of the ones I wanted to say as well, but I, maybe he's too famous. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think the last person I interviewed, well, second to last person I interviewed said Black Coffee. And I was like, you know what? I should have, I, I have to add his name now to Bonaboy. Yeah. I, I love Black Coffee. Though. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Black Coffee right. guy. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, how about Themba? Themba. Oh, that's a good one. Themba is a good one. I'm not Themba, but yeah, but uh, I like I like his um his vibe definitely. Okay. So two dudes. Two dudes, mm-hmm. and then I want to find a lady, but I'm struggling now. Oh, um, Octo Octa. She's a house DJ. Oh, okay. but she produces some of her own stuff, and I think she I think she identifies as she, but yes. that, there's a story there. Where, There's a story where, where, where there. is she based? New York, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Octo Octa. Oh, yeah. I have to look into that and add the house. Playlist. I could go on and on and on, but you said three, so I'm, I'm yeah. limiting well, myself. Uh, well, for you, yeah, I'm we ho- have to I'm holding to three because holding we, we know you have a whole catalog <laughs> that you can just drop. You know. Yeah, you, you can share with me later and I'll just name it, you know. 
I'm, I, how about how about I do this? I send you a Spotify playlist. Oh, okay. That uh, do you want even better? Hey, there you go. See that that's why it's good to have it. You know, someone a real a real DJ in the house, so that they just hit you with their playlist, and you be like, oh wow, look at that. Yeah, I'll awesome. hit you with a playlist, and then awesome. you, you you can decide if you like it or not. Awesome. So one thing you didn't mention or talk about, sorry, was um, how you ended up in Brooklyn. Um, why Brooklyn? Out of the the five boroughs of New York. City. So I was first um, set up based in in Manhattan. That's where I began, you know, my New York journey. Yes. And um, I went with a friend one evening to a house party in Brooklyn. And we realized, first of all, when we walked into the apartment that these people have a lot of space. How is this possible? <laughs> we are living in a shoebox, you know? Ah. So that's why Brooklyn sort of spoke out to us. But the house party was so good that we ended up spending the night there. And we woke up in Brooklyn the next morning and we did not hear sirens. And we did not hear garbage trucks right away. It wasn't. It probably wasn't trash day. Mm -hmm. um, we heard birds. We we're like, wait a minute, Brooklyn's kind of peaceful. It feels more like home. <laughs> and we took a drive around, you know, with our host the next day. He showed us around Brooklyn a little bit and the different neighborhoods and stuff. And we're like, this feels more like coming home. And we'd been in Manhattan for probably a year now, going on a year, and we hadn't slept much. You know, you just vibe off the city and you're buzzing and you're mm -hmm. absorbing all this energy. Um, it's this electrical human energy and then it's this electrical mechanical energy that you absorb from the atmosphere and you're just going and going and going. You know, and you go to somewhere like Brooklyn and finally you're like, ah, you take a sigh and you're like, life can be pretty chill. Yes. And there's people walking around in their sweatshirts and pajamas. You know, not everybody's dressed up to their nines like in Manhattan. And we were living in Murray Hill at the time. So not everyone's like dressed up with their hair pressed straight and perfect, you know, perfect makeup and mm -hmm. wearing their boots and everything. It's a little more like laid back and chill. We're like, okay, Brooklyn's our vibe. And so we both decided to make that move to Brooklyn. And I've pretty much called this my HQ, my base ever since. You know what I mean when I say yeah, HQ? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to the right audience here. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, there you have it, Brooklyn. And uh, now having raised two boys here, you know, mm -hmm. it's as much as a home can get, become home, you know? Yeah, I think if, when I moved to New York, I'd gone to Manhattan first, if I stayed in Manhattan first, I probably would have, uh, yeah, I don't know if I would have been able to settle in New York. I still get that feeling when I go to Manhattan every now and then. I'm like, maybe we'll move for one or two years. Once the kids have gone to college and everything, maybe we'll come back into the city. Oh, you, know? you, you still want to go try Sometimes, the city Sometimes there's certain neighborhoods I go to and I'm like, uh, especially Central Park West, you know? Okay. Yeah. I'd say, okay, I could do this another year or so just to get that Manhattan vibe again and be very close to Central Park. Yeah, that would be nice. But though. Manhattan, I don't know, her, her heart has changed. She's not the same Manhattan that we knew when we first came here, you know? Mm. It's different. It's changed. In what way? Um, it's become more sort of, I don't know how to describe this. It's definitely more commercialized, you mm -hmm. know? I would liken it to a Dubai in some ways, you know? Everything's glitzy, glamour, and shiny. Yeah. And um, everything has a price kind oh, of thing. Yeah. So that's, that's sad in some ways because it used to be a place where, you know, some of the best things in life were free, you know? Mm. You could just walk down the street and hang out and there'd be a block party and things like that. That kind of... Um, vibe is sort of disappearing, I feel. And the music scene has moved away from Manhattan in a big way as well. For, for me, that's huge. Um, it 
it used to be sort of Lower East Side and West Village, and there's still places there, not to say that there aren't, but really, if you want to go for music, you go to Williamsburg or you come into Brooklyn, you know, you go to Bushwick now, that's where it's oh, at, yeah. you know? Yep, Williamsburg. So it's it's lost uh, its character in, in some ways, and it's got a new character, it's, it's changed, it's morphed a bit, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not the Manhattan it used to be for me. Oh, yeah, I, I can relate to that. Oh, I could talk to you all day. I could talk to you for hours. I know this is so much fun, and you're so good at this. You have really good questions that you ask. And Thank you. You're I'm, good at getting people to open up. I feel honored. And uh, that's the idea, you know? Make people feel comfortable, and just don't spill out your secrets um, to where you kept the gold. And, and I was that. very good at not cursing. I, I didn't ask you that before. <laughs> Am I allowed to curse? You, you are allowed. You know, See, if, I, was... I let people be themselves. So Damn it. If, if, you, if you want to curse, go ahead. You know, get people who, that's, I'm just like Although I, I did want to keep it clean as well, thinking, okay, maybe I'll let the kids listen to the podcast. You hey, know? that works too. Yeah. So, final question. Can't thank you enough for coming here. Um, what would you like to leave the audience with? Your freestyle moment? Well, since we've talked about this at the beginning, about your mom, and then um, and now it's come back to that same topic was dancing. I think it's important to find a way to keep dancing. And yeah. however it is you want to do it. You want to do it in your underwear. You want to do it in the shower. You want to do it on the street. You want to do it at a club. There's so many places where you can dance. Don't be restricted to going to a club, especially if it's the age that you're worried about. I yeah. still go to the club. Hey. Ask Raphael right here. I've got gray hair, and yeah. I don't care. And I'm telling you, once you walk into the club, the lights are low, honey. No go. one can tell what color your hair is anyway. <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> Keep dancing. That's what I would say. That's right. I haven't been to the club in a while, though. I wasn't, I wasn't really a club person. I tried to pull you out yeah. to the Black Coffee concert, if you remember. Yes, you did. Last, last and um, a, a, end of last a friend summer. later on told me that he had free tickets. I was it, like, oh, you can. It was yeah. so good. And then Trevor Noah, I remember I told you, mm -hmm. came out and he, he, he was dancing with... You know, yeah, I, I didn't stage. even think it about that, so that good. Trevor could, could be there. Right. He's someone I I, still, I, I I hope to get one day on the podcast. I would love to have Trevor on the podcast or Lupita Nyango. Let's put it out there. Yes, yes, I put it out there already. And Idris Elba is always welcome too. You know, I love Sierra Leoneans, so why not? You have good jollof. I never said anything bad about your jollof. So Idris can come on the podcast. He's welcome. It's all good. Bring yeah. it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> All right, so thank you enough. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. As my people say, Umbana. That's our way of saying thank you. And my wife's people is Dankashin. And um, yeah, do you have anything you'd like to plug in? Um, just watch this DJ space. I haven't decided on a name. I think it's probably just going to be Preet. Hey. I've had some ridiculous simple, names thrown at me. works. One of them being Nairobi One Kenobi. And I was like, oh, uh, that's like funny, that, but I don't know if it's going to... Stick. <laughs> I like that though. Nairobi one Kenobi. Nairobi one okay, Kenobi. Okay, pretend you didn't hear that. So, so you don't try and steal it. That's the point. Oh, it's okay. It. It's up for grabs. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but I will also say, as since we're saying thank yous, Asante Sana and Asante Shukriya. Sana. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I know, but Shukriya. Yeah, that's Hindu, right? Yeah, yeah Hindu, Punjabi. It, yeah. yeah, it reminds me of uh, um, Shukran. <laughs> exactly, which is uh, Arabic. Arabic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, another way of cultures, you know, mixing and the similarities. And, you know, we are related somehow, you know. So, everyone listening, thank you for being with us. 
don't forget there will be a new episode next week so yeah keep the support coming in share with your friends if you need to download the app please download the app give us five star ratings five stars not nothing less we don't accept we won't look at you and if you have any comments um would like to share a story hey you go to www.whitelabelamerican.com hit the contact you see the mic button on the website yeah just hit the mic and you can leave a voice note and you got two minutes but you know you can leave as many voice notes as you want we love to hear it and yeah we can share it too and if you prefer writing then send an email all righty i'll see you all on the next episode thanks for listening to white label american if you enjoy the show we'll appreciate if you rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from if you have any questions comments or have someone who will be a good guest on the show or you want to be on the show send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram at whitelabelamerican thank you for your support